stats are for losers. Welcome, everyone, to Statistically Speaking. We are in Season 2. 2022 season's about to start. Everyone's anxious. Everyone's ready. I can't sleep at night just thinking about uh, college game day coming up on Saturday. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but uh, with me always is Blink and Riley. And then our special guest today is Kelly Ford. He's not only a special guest because he's awesome and does a lot for Twitter, but he is our first guest to ever make it on both seasons. So he gets that honor of being first to do it. So welcome, Kelly. How are you doing? Appreciate it, Kyle. I'm doing well. Thanks so much to you and Blinken for having me back. Had a blast almost a year ago exactly, uh, and so excited to be back here on Season 2 on Statistically Speaking. Uh, can't wait. It's going to be a good one. Nice. Well, I, I love to have you on first week because I like your rankings. I think the most out of any rankings I've, I've, I've seen on Twitter, um, and you know, the preseason poll is it's it's gotten bananas. I think last year, 46% of the teams that were ranked preseason were still ranked at the end of the season. So I, I you know, back in the day, they used to like wait till like week, week four, week five to release them. So what are your thoughts on that? And how are your rankings different? And what have you seen um, in comparison to, you know, AP rankings or coaches poll rankings and what exactly K Ford ratings are? Yeah, Kyle, it's a good question. So I don't pay much attention, honestly, to the AP poll or to the coaches poll. I mean, they're great for what they are, talking points and things to debate. But for me, it's all about just a few things in the preseason. And that is your returning production. So who do you have coming back from last year's team? And that includes transfers now. So that's been a whole nother uh, project this uh, this summer where in the past, it was a little part of what you're doing. Now it's a big part because of the increased usage of the transfer portal. So you have returning production, which is a really big uh, factor in my preseason numbers. You have how good has this team been in recent seasons? So their recent K forward ratings, uh, most heavily weighted towards the most recent year and then kind of de-weighting going backwards. 2020 is a weird year with uh, COVID and no interconnectivity with non-conference games and all that stuff. So ratings from 2020, you got to take with a grain of salt. So I've included that kind of caveat in my numbers. And then also recent uh, recruiting. So how good are the, the players that you're bringing into the program from the from the high school or junior college ranks? Uh, so those are really the three inputs. That's what goes into my preseason numbers. Uh, I don't worry about all the things that voters are looking at, and I don't get caught up in hype of this and that and the other. It's all very math-driven. That's how you get to my, my K Ford ratings, which are predictive power ratings, as you said, Kyle. Uh, and then once we get into the season, I'll start incorporating in-season data, right? So we do have a few teams right now, 18 to be exact, FBS teams that do have in-season data included in their numbers here for week one. But the rest of uh, FBS is going to get kicked off here this weekend, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, one of those teams, uh, uh, Lincoln Riley had them in the playoff. Uh, Nebraska didn't do too well. <laughs> if you actually too did and listened, you would know that my prediction was actually that Nebraska was would end up with more wins but have a worse team than last uh, year than twenty twenty one. Which I think, you know, I think. They're showing in in Dublin is uh, I think I'm off to a good start. Although yeah. if you can't beat Northwestern, I don't know how many wins you're going to actually total up. But 
yeah you know we'll see so Blinken, i did something that's interesting that you say that i did something on twitter this is going back over a month now but basically looked at it what you just said so last year's teams and records versus this year's projected team in terms of their preseason power rating nebraska came out number one on my list out of all 131 for most wins improved expected based on last year obviously last year only going three and nine my numbers projected 4.8 more wins this year on average than last which was number one in the country now my numbers did expect uh, Nebraska to beat Nor- uh, Northwestern. They didn't have a 100% win probability, of course, but uh, they're already not off to a very good start, as you mentioned. Uh, did not see that coming. And yet again, uh, Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers losing a one-score game. But I thought the same thing, Blinken. They're going to be bet- more improved this year in terms of record. Um, I wasn't sure they'd be a worse team, but I thought they'd be about the same quality level that they were last year using my numbers. You know, I, I, you got to blame it on the jet lag. I, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> that's gotta be a that's gotta be a crazy schedule week game schedule. I don't, I don't know who who signed off on that, but I would not. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, man. Playing I, I playing international is cool and all, but I don't. I don't know. I, I want to go to Ireland. You onside kick uh, <laughs> up by up, eleven. Up like yeah, up a score, two scores, something like that. Yeah, I don't think uh, I can't bring myself to blame that on the jet lag. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, so in your ratings, you have Texas at number 11. You know, I, I ain't mad about that. Um, what do, do you have or do you know off the top of your head what your what your ratings projected them to win? Uh, like total number for the season? How much if they are if they are improving at all? Yeah, so Texas's expected wins for this year, Kyle. And again, I posted these on Twitter. I did all Power 5 teams plus actually BYU because uh, I had a little bit more time. So as I find Texas here for what I'm projecting, my numbers think that Texas uh, is projected to win 8.1 uh, regular season games this year. Oh, yeah. Six projected wins in conference, so projecting six six and three conference record, which is the second best in the Big 12 behind only Oklahoma, which I know will make uh, Blinken happy there, and Oklahoma State then coming in number three in my uh, preseason projections for the Big 12. You know, I, I ain't mad at eight wins. That's fine with me. <laughs> Are you oh, in the man. Are you in the minority there, though, Kyle? I feel like on there's there've been a couple of fan bases on social media, uh, namely South Carolina, uh, West Virginia. There's a Big Twelve one for you. Kansas State fans have seemed to be a little un, unhappy with my projections. I feel like Texas fans are expecting a little bit more than eight, at least if I'm gauging it properly just from Twitter, Kyle. You have a better pulse, though. Is that is that the expectation down there? Eight wins, or is it more? No, my my projection is eight ish, nine ish, and I would hang my hat on that. Call it a great season. We're improving. Let's go on to 2023 uh, on that uptick. But, you know, there's people, you know, every fan base has people. They're like, oh, we're going 11 and 1. We're <laughs> we're winning the Big 12, going to the championship, whatever. You know, pump the, pump the brakes, let off the gas. Sorry, dude. I, I will uh, say, Kyle, last thing on Texas. I will say I do have the game uh, when you guys host Alabama. According to my preseason numbers, that is Alabama's toughest game of the entire season. Their lowest chance to win that game. Now, it's still 85%. Still say Alabama's got an yeah. 85% chance to win, but that's how dominant the Crimson Tide are this right. year. Going on the road to Austin is projecting to be their toughest task, um, at least per my numbers right now. Yeah. You know, 
I, I hate to say this, but A&M did give me a little bit of hope going into this game last year. You know, they, I, I had Alabama winning by like 30 against A&M and somehow they, that everything fell right and they did it. So, you know, you never know. It, it could happen. That's why we'll I play so, the games. You know, you were talking about 11 and 0, 12 and 0. I saw somebody, um, uh, on Twitter. I can't remember <clears throat> who it was, but they were, you know, essentially saying, why is everyone so scared of predicting 12 and 0 for Oklahoma? Uh, and <clears throat> so to put it in context, I feel like people underestimate just how hard it is to go that many games undefeated. Uh, I looked back and in the first 12 games of a season, uh, 12 and 0 had happened 87 times in the last hundred years. So think of all the thousands of team seasons that happened over the last hundred years and it's happened 87 times. Yeah, that for those at home, that's roughly I don't, like a point point six percent of yeah, it's of, exceedingly of rare. Yeah, it's exceedingly rare. To to that point, Blinken, I'm just looking at my Oklahoma outlook right now. My numbers give a three percent chance that Oklahoma goes twelve and zero this year. So I mean, hey, it's not zero; it's a non-zero chance. But there's a ninety-seven percent chance that they don't. Compare that to Alabama, who, again, number one team in the country by my numbers, a really, really strong team. I don't expect them to lose any single game. We just talked about uh, Texas being their lowest win probability at 85. Alabama still, with that being said, only has a four, only has a 43% chance to go 12-0. and 0. So it's still, if you're talking 50-50 yes or no, I'd still say no. Alabama's not going to go 12-0. and 0. Don't ask me to pinpoint the game because I can't for you, but like Kyle just said, Hey, no one thought they were three touchdown favorites going into uh, College Station last year, and they came out with a loss. It is incredibly hard week after week in college football when you have 18 to 22-year-olds and a ball that's shaped real funky and can bounce either way. It is very hard to go 12-0. and 0. It's the cumulative effect of every single game, and that adds up. And we've see it, we see it every single week. Upsets happen. That's why we love this sport. And uh, my money's on it happening again to every team this year. Now, there are certain teams like Alabama, like Georgia, like Ohio State, who you're saying are going to be favored in every single game. Blinken, to that point, even Oklahoma. I've got Oklahoma favored in every single game they play. Lowest win probability for the Sooners this year. Kyle, you're going to like this one. When they play Texas in the Red River Shootout. Yes, the Red River Shootout, not the rivalry. not any, It's the Red River Shootout in my book. Uh, I know you guys are the experts. But 56% win probability for Oklahoma in that game. That's the lowest percent chance that Oklahoma has to win. But just that one game alone... If you, that was the only game, you're already down to a 50-50 chance, essentially, to go 12-0, and and that's in one week, right? So, uh, yeah, it's just it's super hard to go 12-0. and Could it happen? Of course. Like you said, 87 times in the last 100 years. Guys, that means less than one team a year does it, right? So uh, there you go. Yeah, and it's just, it's just the nature of, uh, you know, <clears throat> compounding probabilities of independent events, right? I mean, <clears throat> just from a theoretical standpoint, you know, if you have – if a team has – a 90% chance of winning every single individual game after 12, their chance of being 12 and 0 is 28%. So like, it's just, it's just very unlikely it, and it, and it compounds real quickly. And you guys are speaking my language. That's why it's statistically speaking. I love this. Yeah. Well, I hope it compounds a little better than my 401k is right now. <laughs> Don't check. Did you, it, dump it, did you dump it all in crypto? Do you buy Dogecoin? <laughs> no, no, I bought a bunch of uh, uh, what are those things called? In what are those? What are those images? NFTs? 
Oh, you went hard on the NFTs. Yeah, I, I, got I, I, I doubled got down on the NFTs. I got, <laughs> man, I got a whole bunch of apes I don't know what to do with. Okay, so um, for for those at home wanting to, you know, some, some Joe Blow is thinking, you know, this sounds cool. I'm going to make my own rating system. Like, how much work goes into this? Like, not only like every off season or every season, but like the initial amount of time go, that is put into this. Cause you know, like, like people like, like you stats of war, they, they've got all this, all this code already done and every year it gets a little easier, but like if you're starting from scratch, like how long does something like this take or to get it, to get it like the way you like it, like just, just that. Well, I'd say it's never to the point where I like it, right? <laughs> there's, there's, there's always parts you want to improve and, and right. uh, blind spots in the model that you're trying to correct uh, rough edges. You're trying to smooth out. Uh, Kyle asked my wife, how much time I spend on college football analytics. Uh, she, she doesn't She doesn't necessarily like it, but uh, to answer your question in all seriousness, it takes a long time. And I think for anyone out there that wants to do it, there's not like a super high barrier to entry. There's lots and lots of people out there that create college football power ratings and power ratings for, for many, many sports. Mm-hmm. My, rec- my recommendation would be to go look at the people that are already doing it. Uh, so for me, when I started out, it was really – uh, Bill Connolly, who does SP Plus at the time, it was S and P Plus, and then uh, Brian Fermo, who does FEI. So those were kind of my two. Uh, they're the godfathers of college football analytics, in my opinion. They were the two that I kind of modeled my model after. I mean, Bill's five factors are the nuts and bolts still of what I do with my model. Now, collecting all the data myself, changing things around into formats that I can use, adding in my own uh, kind of secret ingredients here or there to kind of make the model my own. All those things came through the learning process, but I consumed everything I could from Bill and from Brian before I ever got going, did a bunch of bat testing on things before I ever published anything publicly. So the amount of setup work is significant, but if you have a, a basic understanding of probability, statistics, and just maybe a little bit of advanced mathematics, um, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. It just takes a lot and lot of time. Uh, but it's, it, if you're into it, it's fun, right? So like for me, it's a lot of work, but I really enjoy it. I love putting out my, my power ratings every week. I love putting out now that we're in the season, my most deserving rankings every week, bringing in two new things this year, kind of, I'm calling them my what if most deserving rankings. So if every single one score game had the opposite result, so like in this what if universe, Nebraska's one to know right now northwestern zone one that was actually the only week one game that was decided by uh, eight points or fewer uh, in fbs competition at least so i'm doing that this year also putting in uh, a twist on my realistic expectations and measuring teams as they go throughout the season so i'm doing it to myself right i'm taking on more work i'm doing more right, things yeah. and it's adding to the workload but it's because it's because i like it it's because it's fun but um to answer your question it takes a lot of time so if you don't have a passion for it or it's just it's not what you want to be doing you won't be successful with it because there are times when I want to bang my head against the wall because I have an air somewhere and I can't find it or I'm getting a result that does not make sense to me and I can't figure out why uh and so you really have to persevere and and, and work hard to make it happen but uh it's fun if you like it it's fun and uh I, I really enjoy doing it so um <clears throat> you know we talk a lot about predictive models and stuff and you just mentioned your most deserving uh, ranking. Tell us a little more about that. 
Yeah, so the most deserving rankings uh, use only in-season data. So obviously no preseason most deserving because it's based on only what have you accomplished on the field in any given year. So right now I have 18 of the 131 FBS teams in my most deserving rankings for week zero because those are the 18 that have played week zero games. Uh, it, it starts with Northwestern. I got Vanderbilt number two, North Texas three, Illinois four, all the way down to Hawaii, who's number 18 right now. So what I'm doing is looking at how has every team performed relative to how the average top 25 team would be expected to perform against that schedule? So it's a way of incorporating strength of schedule into the metric and saying, okay, here's your record. Here's the opponents you played, the locations at which you played. How would the average top 25 team be expected to have performed record-wise, but also scoring margin-wise against that same schedule playing those opponents in the same location? So the, the large majority of it's made up on your win-loss record relative to expected, but I also put in a twist of your scoring margin relative to expected of the average top 25 team. So that's kind of how my most deserving rankings work. And then I said, like I said, the what-if rankings are new this year. It's what if every, uh, basically, it's actually what if every losing team scored 8.5 more points. That way I'm not going around and cherry picking every one possession game and just flipping it. I'm saying every single game, the losing team at 8.5. Sometimes that means the losing team is now the winning team. Other times it just means the losing team lost by 8.5 points less. So um, that's a new twist this year, something I'm excited to roll out for the week zero rankings later this week. But uh, yeah, that's how the most deserving rankings work. And Blinken, as you and Kyle know, and as I talk about on Twitter all the time, it is critically important to understand the difference between the K-Ford ratings, which are power ratings and look forward, and my most deserving rankings, which are resume-based and look backwards. Rating versus ranking. If, if, if people take nothing else away from hearing me talk today, rating versus ranking, there's a difference. Just make sure you know which one uh, we're talking about before you hop in comments and, and try to get into debates because that's, that's always fun. Yeah, the, uh, when ESPN's FPI came out like a month or and a half ago, People were calling it a preseason poll. I was like, oh my God, I swear. <laughs> people, get, people give ESPN a rough or a hard time for FPI and for strength of record, which if you listen to how I describe my most deserving, it's very similar to ESPN's mm-hmm. strength of record because that's where I got the idea. Again, studying what's already out there and then taking my twist and kind of building on it. Again, incorporating that scoring margin, it's kind of a way that I think is an improvement on strength of record. But if it wasn't for ESPN strength of record, I probably wouldn't have had the idea to do the most deserving, right? So um, ESPN, I know it's a hot take these days, it feels like, but they have their flaws. I don't love that they always prop up the CFP. I don't love that they push college exp- or uh, uh, conference expansion and realignment and all those things. But I respect their analytics department and the metrics they put out because for all the flack they get, I do think they are uh, respectable numbers. I mean, if you're on the prediction tracker, FPI is always kind of in the top 10 every single year, it seems. So um, there are worse metrics out there, I'll say, than ESPN's FPI and strength of record. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, you know, that, that's a really good point. And what I, the reason I'm interested in the most deserving is because, you know, at the end of the day, yes, I love during the season trying to pick games, um, trying to figure out who would win in a hypothetical game that's not going to happen, right? That's where the ratings come in, right? You yep. can kind of get an idea of, you know, what might happen or what will happen. Um, <clears throat> but the most deserving, I feel like, goes directly to what everybody's trying to get to at the end of the end of the day, right? They call it a playoff, but it's not. It's an invitational. They give invitations to four teams that they think is are most deserving. And so, you know, they can say we picked the four best teams all day long, but I don't think anybody 100% buys it. 
uh, I think there's a lot of kind of that deserving factor that goes into it. There is. I would agree, Blinken. And, and I think that's I think that's the right thing, right? Like we can say like last year's Clemson team lost three games. My number still had them pretty highly power rated, not in the top four, mind you, but, you know, top 10 team. They shouldn't have been sniffing the college football playoff conversation, though. They lost three games against competition that an average top 25 team probably wouldn't have lost a, a total of three games against. Right. So they got dinged in my most deserving. I think they finished the year somewhere around you know, between 15 and 20, which is about right for deservedness. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. At the end of the year, we play all year. We got the power ratings to set up who's going to win this game and, and that game, if it's at this location or that location, what did you do on the field relative to what was expected? Because if you go 12-0 and in Conference USA, awesome. That's a great season for you, your program, your fans. Everybody should be excited about that. Absolutely. I don't even care who it is. But going 12-0 and in Conference USA doesn't necessarily mean you deserve a spot in a four-team playoff because I would argue going even nine and three, maybe in the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, one of those, is equally as tough, if not even tougher, just given the level of competition, right? So we got to account for all those things. My most deserving does that, and it makes for some really fun debates in late November and early December, as you guys can imagine. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so last year what last year we did a bunch of um, – we followed along with ESPN's College Pick'em and I remember you – didn't you follow along with us all year too? I did, Kyle. And, uh, I, I'm going to let you set it up. I don't know if you remember who won between the three. I, I think I remember who won. So just, <laughs> um, just for those listeners out there, if you, if you, can't, if you can't decide who to, who to pick and, you're, and it's a toss-up for you, check out Kelly's uh, ratings because he, he did a pretty good job last year on at least straight-up picks. Yeah, straight up money line picks. That's yeah. uh, def- definitely more fun for me when you start getting into uh, spreads and all that stuff. I mean, that's where it gets really fine margins. And my numbers do have the ability to produce that. But just for my own enjoyment and, and loving just to watch college football with not a lot of stress, uh, I just prefer to do the, the, the money line winners for me. But yeah, no, last year was a really fun competition. I'm excited to do it again with you guys this year. I'll absolutely be jumping in the statistically speaking group and uh, following along with you guys. Uh, really, I had a it. feeling. I just had a feeling. <laughs> we got we got to run it back, Kyle. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do we have the the games loaded? Uh, we do. Who's playing? Do. All right. So uh, we'll start at the top here. Um, this is a big one. I, this is one that I know a lot of people have been waiting a long time for: Rutgers, Scarlet Knights versus the Boston College Eagles. Ooh. Vegas oh. has this. Uh, this. At a seven and a half point um, favorite for the Eagles, which I thought was a little surprising, um, but yeah, that's where Vegas sits on this one. What about what about the K Ford ratings? Uh, Blinken, you're going to like this one. Uh, my numbers are exactly aligned with Vegas on this one. I've got Boston College as seven and a half point favorites as well. I've got Boston College as the number 56 team in the country in my week one power ratings, Rutgers number 82. So you throw in the home field advantage as well, and it all comes out to a 70% win probability for Boston College. So give me Boston College. I like them by the exact Vegas spread, seven and a half. Nice. Yeah, um, I just <laughs> – I just don't think I would ever pick Rutgers up against any other school in any other matchup. So I, I'm just gonna choose Boston College, not even knowing, not even knowing the spread or where it's at. I'm just I'm just gonna go with Boston College. All right. Uh, next up, we have 
<clears throat> I think it will be a pretty good game. Cincinnati Bearcats, Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Vegas has uh, this game. This game opened Arkansas favored by eight, but has moved back a little bit towards the Bearcats. Uh, now sits at um, minus six for Arkansas. Um, I I don't think you picked last last game. If you did, I didn't hear it. But for this one, I I'm am Boston College. Oh, okay, just sorry. I thought you might have been a Rutgers fan for a second. <laughs> no, I'm going Boston College. Uh, I don't think Cincinnati is going to build on what they had last year. I, I speaking of going twelve and zero, I do not think they will have it as good a season as they did last year. And Arkansas did great last year against Texas, obviously. Um, I think I'm going with Arkansas on this one. Yeah, Blinken, you said the spread six and a half uh, for Arkansas. My numbers like Arkansas in this game, but not by six and a half. They like the Razorbacks by about two. Uh, Now, I will say, I think my numbers – just looking at other power ratings out there and also knowing kind of just the intangibles, kind of the the good vibes and momentum around the Arkansas program. I might be slightly lower on Arkansas than, than I should be at this time. I recognize that. Also, Cincinnati's a team that's got a lot of new pieces in place. Uh, got to really figure out what this team's all about here. So uh, I, I don't love that I have the spread closer to two than, than six and a half, but that's where my numbers have it. So I'm going to roll with them. I am going to take Arkansas this game. I've got them as the number 30 team in the country. Again, I expect to see that number rise as we go throughout the season here. Even if it's just 10 spots, I think this is maybe a top 20-ish team by the end of the year. I've got Cincinnati number 27. So I actually have Cincinnati as a slightly better team right now in my power ratings, but the game is in Fayetteville. That home field advantage is the difference in this game. Give me Arkansas 56% win probability for the Razorbacks. Uh, I'm going to go with Arkansas as well. I think being at home, I think Cincinnati um, losing their quarterback, I think they have – you know, obviously, after last season, um, <clears throat> probably hit a high, uh, high watermark for for the program, and I can see him coming back a little bit. Um, so, give me Arkansas on this one. All right, next up, Oregon Ducks at Georgia Bulldogs. Okay, so you know, Georgia was a buzzsaw in Blinken's terms last year. You know, Oregon, I feel like Oregon hasn't lived up to their ranking since like 2014. It feels like forever since they were, whatever rating they were, they're actually that ranking. So um, I know they're, what, top 15 team uh, according to preseason poll, but I don't think they're that good. I think Georgia is not as good as last year, obviously, but they're still good. Uh, Still probably play for the SEC championship. So uh, give me Georgia on this one. And also, I also looked back since 2000 at national champions that lost their first game against a ranked opponent the following year. It's only happened four times in the last or since 2000. So I don't think they'll lose. We'll see. What was the spread on this one, Blinken? I didn't catch it. Uh, so this one opened four, uh, 14 and a half favorites, uh, Georgia, and it has actually since moved three points uh, in Georgia's favor. So now it sits at 17 and a half. From 14 and a half to 17 and a half. I'd like to split the difference there. My numbers have Georgia by 17, or excuse me, by 15 and a half. 17 and a half is what you said the spread is. My numbers like the Bulldogs by 15 and a half in this one. It's an 86% win probability. 
I've got Georgia as the number three team in the country coming into this year behind Alabama and Ohio State. Kyle, you touched on it. The 2021 Georgia team was historic. I mean, they were historically good in my rating set, which I have power ratings going back to the beginning of college football for every single team that's ever played at the either FBS, Division 1A, whatever you want to call it, was the highest level of college football at the time. I've got it going all the way back. This 2021 Georgia team graded out as one of the greatest of all time, and it's because that defense was phenomenal. I mean, everyone knows multiple first-round draft picks taken in the first round uh, off that defensive side of the ball. They were incredible. I expect them to reload this year. I expect them to be back. Probably a a very, very small step down from last year's team, at least right now. Who knows? They might come out, surprise us. I say that in quotes, and and, uh, beat Alabama in the SEC championship game this year. Who, Who knows? But in this game, I like Georgia. Um, I do think Oregon's a good team. I've got a number 15 in the country right now. Uh, but that that spread, Blinken, is, is, like I said, 15 and a half. That's a neutral site game for me. Now, this game's in Atlanta, so you can argue how neutral is a game between Georgia and Oregon in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's how my numbers are treating it because it's not in Athens, uh, Georgia. So uh, if I took out that two and a half points, well, boom, there you go. Now I'm looking at right around 17 and a half, 18 points as well. So uh, yeah, give me the Bulldogs. I expect them to be really, really, really good this year. Yeah, I think somebody said uh, poor Bo Nix uh, traveled almost 2,000 miles to get away from the South and now has to go right <laughs> back to Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> Game one. Yeah. yeah. All right, next up, Arizona at San Diego. San Diego State. Let's see where this one sits. Uh, this one opened – uh, San Diego State, 11.5-point favorites, but has moved to only a 6.5-point favorite for the Aztecs. Um, I'm writing off of their their recency uh, in, my, uh, in my brain right now. They were good last year. They'll be good this year. Arizona, not so much. Give me San Diego State. Yeah, Blinken, you talked about the spread moving again. Again, give me the middle, but I think I think it's closer to right now than it was when it opened. You said it's minus six and a half now. My numbers like San Diego State by a touchdown, seven points. Uh, it's a sixty-nine percent win probability for the Aztecs in this one. I've got them number seventy-four in the country. This is a team that I expect to take a very large step back this year in terms of expected wins. Uh, I think there was a team that overachieved last year with regard to their win-loss record. Uh, I, I don't. I think I don't think they uh, had as much quality as their win-loss record would have. Uh, suggested last year they're going to regress to the mean in my opinion this year so give me san diego state number 74 team in the country arizona's number 93 it's at san diego state too so you got to bake in that home field advantage san diego state by seven yeah give me san diego state as well okay i I hope on this next one there's some some different picks because right now we're all the same (laughs) <laughs> what we got <laughs> we have houston and meet meep my utsa roadrunners yeah uh just based off of meet meep last year like same thing like i i i like i loved them last year they were my um uh what's that team the the chanticleers what team is that? Coastal was my team in 20. Uh, Meet Meep was my team in 21. I wanted great things for them. So I want that to continue this year. So we just talked about, uh, I just talked about San Diego State. 
a team that I expect to regress this year with win-loss record. I'm looking at the the graphic I put out on Twitter again a few months ago now. San Diego State taking a 3.6 hit in the expected wins category. Number one in the country. Number two on that list, guys, UTSA. Also, yes. 3.6 fewer wins this year than last year. I was all on the meet meet train last year too, Kyle. I had UTSA in my most deserving. Again, undefeated in Conference USA for a good portion of the season. I had them up to like all the way up to like number 15 in the country, which is way better than the AP was giving them credit right. for. It. Still, still not sniffing uh, the college football playoff or anything of that nature. That's kind of that's who I had in mind earlier when I gave that example. If, if you go 12 and 0 in Conference USA, be happy, have a great season. It's exciting. You're not going to be in the top four. Uh, that was UTSA last year. I do not expect UTSA to have the same win loss record this year. Uh, Blinken, I missed the spread, uh, but I, I think I've got U- or I've got Houston in this game by four and a half. Uh, that's what my numbers say. So it's a 63% win probability. Houston number 42 in the country. UTSA number 69. So give me the Cougar. Uh, by four and a half in this one. So this one opened at uh, Houston minus seven and has since, um, I guess Vegas was looking at the K Ford ratings and has now moved to minus four. So uh, I'm seeing a theme here, Blinken. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think somebody's uh, cheating at, at their, at their homework here. Uh, <laughs> you got, you got to go private Kelly. So they can't copy <laughs> Bring down the entire industry. I, I, I know we're I know we're joking, but I talked about Bill Connolly earlier and Blink, and I know you ref, love referencing SP Plus. Uh, Bill has like he's on record said like yeah, Vegas definitely looks at my numbers and like incorporates them into some games, right? Like that's the dream to me. That's the final frontier. Bill's conquered it. I, I'm miles and miles. I can't even see Bill. He's so far in the horizon, I can't even see him. But like one day, if my numbers could be incorporated by the Vegas odd makers, like that would be the ultimate satisfaction. I don't care if I have 10 followers on Twitter. <laughs> if Vegas is hitting me up saying, Kelly, what do you think about this matching game on a Tuesday night? Like to me, that's the frontier, right? That's what we want to hit. Right. So uh, Bill's there. I'm working on it. Yeah, give me, uh, give me UTSA. Give me the Roadrunners. I'm hanging tough. So I'm the only one that went Houston then, right? We have we have some separation? Yeah, we finally got some separation. Here we go. <laughs> love it, love it. Go Cougs. All right, here we go. BYU and South Florida. Speaking uh, of go Cougs, BYU. BYU. BYU opened 12 and a half point favorites, and that's where they remain. Yeah, uh, I got BYU. I also like BYU in this one. My numbers like them by slightly less than Vegas, 10 and a half points. But I've got BYU as the number 31 team in the country right now. USF number 88. Uh, I don't expect this to be a very competitive game. Again, 10 and a half points. Anytime you're a double-digit spread, that's a pretty high win probability. 78% for BYU. I expect BYU to roll in this one. Yeah, I think BYU wins this one pretty easily. Uh, so, All right, next up I think is a pretty interesting game. Um, Utah going to uh florida um vegas had florida as a one point favorite on the at when when it opened um and that has since flipped to utah being now a three point favorite yeah that's that uh sec bias kicking in and then it's the uh stupid preseason poll kicking in afterwards it's it's the uh (laughs) oh what did what did we do here (laughs) <laughs> maybe we need to revisit this right um i i think i think this is winnable for utah um i, I don't know is it, is it a neutral game or is it at florida it's in the swamp oh yeah i don't i don't like that for utah um this is their i think this is their 
best start to a season with preseason rankings in school history. Um, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the go for the big upset. I'm gonna go Gators on this one. Well, I'll uh, I'll go against you on this one too, Kyle. I think Vegas is closer to right now than when they opened. Uh, again, Vegas has it minus three. Utah now. My numbers say two and a half. Utah favored in this one. It's a fifty-eight percent win probability for the Utes. I have the Utes as a top ten team. They're number nine right now in my Week One power ratings. Florida's not a bad team by any means. Number twenty-nine. Now st- stack that up in the SEC, and all of a sudden you're in the bottom half real quick because the whole SEC West is in the top thirty, right? So uh, Florida's in the East. We know that. Um, but this game being in the swamp makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, I'm going to be watching this game for sure uh, on yeah. one of my one of my TVs. It's going it's to be on the secondary one because I think we've got another game which we're going to get to here in a second going on at night as well. But uh, Florida, Utah, definitely for me the Urban Meyer Bowl, if you will. Give me Utah <laughs> uh, by two and a half. I'll take the Utes. Yeah, give me Utah. Uh, I think I think Florida is a uh, a team that can't get out of their own way. Uh, much like another orange team to the south of us here. Hey. Uh, but Kelly made my day when he said UTSA was not going to win that much this year. That made, we're, we're playing them this year, so we need everything we can get. So I will. I'm happy, man. You better believe I'm picking UTSA that week. Kyle, Kyle, let me hit you with that real quick in that UTSA game. I got an 88% win probability for your Longhorns there in week three. You're coming off the Bama game, so you might be licking some wounds, but I expect you to bounce back against the Roadrunners. Hopefully everyone's not injured. We'll see. <laughs> I say trap game. <laughs> Damn, I, I, I get all nervous when he says trap game. They, they got to go on the road. To, they got to go on the road to Lubbock the week after that. Uh, I think. So, now yeah. that now that is a trap game. <laughs> they can't all be trap games. That just means you're bad, Kyle. <laughs> uh, next all right. Game. Next up. Next up. Memphis uh, at Mississippi State. Uh, let's see. Um, Mississippi State opened as an eight-point favorite. Um, that line has moved to fifteen-point favorite for Mississippi State. You know, uh, Mike Leach is due for a ten-win season. Um, I, I like them this year. Uh, I think Mississippi State has this one. I apologize to your listeners because I'm a broken record on this, guys. Again, the, my numbers are right between where the line was and where it is. I like Mississippi State in this one. I like them by 12 and a half. It's an 81% win probability. Mississippi State, the number 23 team in the country by my numbers. Guys, the SEC West is incredibly tough, so much so that when you look at preseason power ratings, uh, my preseason power ratings, and then also the schedule that's in front of them in the conference, they're the number 23 team in the country by my power rating. So looking forward, 23rd best. I have them finishing seventh out of seven in the SEC West because that is how hard the SEC West is. Kyle, you said 10 wins is what you'd like to see for Mike Leach. My numbers expect 6.8. So uh, don't think they're going to get there. I do have a um, 2% chance that Mississippi State wins 10 or more games here in 2022. Memphis all all the way down at number 62. So give me Mississippi State in this one by 12 and a half. Yeah, I'll take uh, Mississippi State all day in this one. All right, a couple more. Boise State Broncos at Oregon State Beavers. Um, Vegas has this open and still uh, Oregon State three-point favorite. Yeah, um, this is a toss-up for me. I'm not... I'm not really 
too keen on Oregon State because they always are bad. But I do love Boise State. Not just their their turf, but you know their their Fiesta Bowl uh, fiasco. According to the Sooner side, I love Boise because of that. So I'll take Boise on a coin flip for this one. Coin flip, toss up, Kyle. You're hitting the nail on the head. My numbers have this dead even. It's a pick'em game for me. So we're saying the spread is uh, Oregon State minus three. I actually think there's a little bit of value taking Boise State plus three in this game because I've got it exactly down the middle. I do have a 51% win probability for Boise State. So I am going to take Boise State as well. Uh, You might take that money line then, I guess, uh, if that's what we can get them at here. So give me Boise State, number 45 team in the country. I've got Oregon State, number 52. Kyle, I love that you're taking Boise State because of a game that happened like 15 years ago. That's that's, that's hilarious. That's that's how it works. I love love that. It's amazing. And my numbers are on your side, so let's hope we're right. I want to take the Beavers. I'm going to go against y'all. Probably just to be contrarian, but uh, I'm gonna no, go with I'm gonna go with Vegas. It is about that same game. Oregon State. <laughs> no, I have no I have no ill will towards Boise State at all. Cross my heart. Okay, That's last but not least, what we got is the finale. Oh yeah, this is uh, I think the most interesting game. Um, I think I think this could be a pretty close game. Um, Vegas does not think so. Notre Dame and Ohio State. Uh, this game opened Ohio State 13 and a half point favorites, now sitting at 17 and a half. Um, I think that's a little crazy. Uh, I think this is going to be closer than that, but uh, what do you all think? No, I, I don't think it's going to be close at all. Ohio State is supposed to be good this year. Uh, Notre Dame has a brand new coach. They are two and twenty against top five teams, which which I think they are playing a top five team. Kelly thinks they're playing a top three team. Um, two and twenty since two thousand. They don't they don't win the big games. They are what zero and seven in BCS or NY six games. They haven't won a major bowl in thirty something years. Ohio State all day on this. Yeah, this is an interesting game, right, because Marcus Freeman, head coach at Notre Dame, you know, player at Ohio State just 10 years ago or so, started his coaching career or had some experience as a GA at Ohio State. So coming back to the horseshoe, uh, there's going to be no love lost for the Buckeye fans. But I think Vegas had this one right first, Lincoln. It started 13 and a half. That's what my numbers say. Ohio State by 13 and a half. So I do expect Ohio State to get the win here. It's an 83% win probability. The Buckeyes, I expect them to be juggernauts this year on offense. They were last year. Yeah, they lost some, some first-round wide receivers, but guess what? They replaced them with future with five stars, future first-rounders. The offensive side of the ball has got Heisman candidates at every single skill position you can name. I expect Ohio State to roll in this one, and that's not to say Notre Dame's not a good team. I've got Notre Dame number six in the country right now, but when you have to go on the road and play number two in my numbers, that's how you get 13.5 points. So give me Ohio State uh, 83% win probability. All right, so I'm going to take Ohio State as well, but I think it's uh, more like a one-score game. Uh, I would go maybe seven, eight points. Um, I think it's going to be closer than you know what uh, the Vegas uh, and the the kind of the preseason ratings um, have them at. I think Ohio State's going to be a very good team. They're national title contenders for sure, uh, but I think Notre Dame is a very good team, and Notre Dame's strength is defense. And I don't know. We've seen it time and time again where 
you know, rust tends to cling onto the offensive side of the ball over the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know. I think this is going to be a, uh, this is going to be a, a a good one and a close one. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, excitement right down to the very end. Here's the hope of Blinken, because that's what I, I referenced earlier. Utah, Florida is going to be on one of my side TVs. I'm going to have Ohio State, Notre Dame on the main one. So ho- hopefully it's a good game and I'm not switching halfway through to something else. Here, here. All right. Well, that's it. That's our pick em. We're gonna get out of here. Do we? Do we do something at the end of? The, I feel like we're missing something. Yeah, Kelly, do, is this is this how we ended last time with you? I can't remember. It, it, it is, Kyle. I hit you guys with like a ten minute Aggie fact last year, if you remember right. It was something along the lines of if 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 uh, Texas A and M averaged like a top five team for the next how many years? And Texas and Oklahoma averaged Kansas level quality for the next <laughs> however many years. It would take 40 years, 40 plus years of Texas A&M being a top five team and Oklahoma and Texas being a Kansas level team just for Texas A&M's all time uh, average program rating to equal that of Oklahoma and Texas. So it was that was like a really long, oh, yeah. con- convoluted one. You guys can go back and listen to it. Uh, but I got a more straightforward one for you here tonight. Okay. You want okay? You want to go write, first? Oh, yeah, you, you who, want to right now? What's the draw first blood? Oh yeah, say. we'll let Kelly go. All right, here's your here's your Aggie fact this year, guys. Very simple. It's the number two, two. That is the number of times since 2000 that Texas A&M has finished the year in my power ratings higher than both Oklahoma <sighs> and Texas. That is nine percent of the seasons. Since 2000, where Texas A&M has been the best team of those three, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and, and I'm going to guess it's 2012 and 2020. Uh, cl- uh, 50 50 percent there. Blinken, you got to guess. Yeah. 20 2012 is correct. Um. Mm. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. It was 2012 and 2013. So they had back to back years there, okay. where, where A&M yeah. was the best of the group. But uh, only twice since 2020. I mean, guys, you want to go all the way back to A&M's last national championship in 1939? It's only happened 10 times since then. So this is a program. (laughs) This is a program. It doesn't matter. I like that one. It it doesn't matter who they're talking about. They're the little brother. It's a Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M's the stepchild, the little brother, whatever you want to call them. Uh, They just can't compete on a year-in, year-out basis with Texas and Oklahoma. I agree on that. All right, so mine, I'm you know last year you 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 had a kind of a long one. Uh, this year I'm going to use this uh, as a chance to uh, pontificate, if you will. Um, I've always said that the best like kind of bellwether for a program's kind of historical prestige was how well you do against Hawaii. So this last week, Vanderbilt played their first game against Hawaii. Texas A&M has one game against Hawaii. Texas A&M beat them by 15. Vanderbilt beat them by 53. So by my estimation, uh, using the, the Blinken um, program prestige rating, 
Vanderbilt is about three and a half times a better program than Texas A&M. So, you know, and these are just based on facts here. <laughs> I like that one. I, I'm, al- I'm always a fan of, of throwing in current events to, to the Aggie facts. Um, this one's not a current event. It's just one of my faves. Um, <clears throat> if Texas A&M was given the opportunity like by like a magic genie or something to rewrite history and start the rivalry with Texas beginning at any decade of their choosing, they still would not have a winning record against Texas. Even if they got to choose. Wonderful. Love it. <laughs> my, my, guess, <laughs> my guess, Kyle, is they'd probably want to choose like the 1990s. I mean, looking at my numbers, just in the, what I, I would say, my... I'm probably 80 is the best they could do. 80. Okay. Okay, because I again I'm looking at the combination of Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M. Where has Texas A&M kind of actually been 20, best? 2010 is where I would start it. Oh, that's, good, that's good one, point. One and one. Good, good point. I mean, Still not point. a winning record though. Okay, well, um, th- that's the show. Um, everyone, make sure you're following Kelly. His Twitter is at KFord Ratings. He also has k4ratings.com, which, which is where you can dive into all of his numbers that we just discussed. Uh, he, he posts every week, like he says, his um, his ratings as they are updated after play. So make sure you tune in for that. And anything else you want to plug, Kelly? Uh, just one other thing. I have a podcast as well. We're working on becoming as big as statistically speaking, but it's We Hate Your Team. You can find us on Twitter at We Hate Your Team and also wherever you get your podcast. I have a sneaking suspicion, spoiler alert, for any We Hate Your Team uh, listeners that are listening to this one. Uh, both of your statistically speaking co-hosts, they might find their way onto We Hate Your Team this year. So stay tuned for that. We don't know what weeks. We don't know uh, what games we'll be picking, but just a uh, heads up. So We Hate Your Team on Twitter and uh, wherever you get your podcast. Awesome, I'm gonna man. fit in there. I'm gonna fit in there. I hate a lot of teams, so <laughs> I even hate my team sometimes. So that's perfect. <laughs> we're we're really embracing the hate this year in season two. So we, we last year was our first season. I actually we started it in part because of the great experience I had on statistically speaking with you guys as well as some others. And so uh, we were a little bit nicer and reserved in season one. I'd say we've already put out three episodes of season two. We got another one coming up here this week, uh, one weekly moving forward. And, uh, we're definitely embracing the hate a little bit more. So looking forward to seeing who you guys hate when you guys uh, join us a little later. Awesome. Okay. That's it for losers. <laughs> <laughs>